together.
is a great day of celebration to be in the house of the Lord. I want to encourage all of you, uh, if you don't know the people that you're sitting by, listen, you're sitting by some of the greatest people in all the world, and you need to take the time to get to know them. But I want to take a moment and just welcome everybody here today, and especially those who are joining with us for the very first time. Listen, if it's your first time here, you are our honored guest, and we want to make sure you feel especially welcome. Can you give it up for all of our first-time guests in the house? Come on. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome. We're so glad that you're here. And if you'll do us a favor, if you'll go ahead and take out that little connection card that's in the seat pocket in front of you and fill that out, let us know a little bit more about you. And then after this service, we've got a little guest reception prepared just for you. It's out the doors and to your left, you'll see a big sign that says guest reception. My wife, Michelle, and I will be there. Some of our leadership team will be there ready to greet you and exchange that card for a gift that we want to give you today. I promise we won't take up a bunch of your time. We just want to make sure that you feel welcome today. And listen, for those of you that are joining with us online, we want to give a huge shout out to you, especially those that are first time online with us today. We celebrate you and we hope that uh, we get a chance to visit with you in person. That if you're in this area, we'd love to be able to greet you. So just come on out, hang out with us and let us know that you've been joining with us online. It's a joy to be able to connect with you. And I know there's some that work on Sunday mornings and you're watching while you're working and we bless you as well. Take out, if you don't mind, your smartphone and you can get with us by connecting to D1 Text. You just uh, type in that number 84576 and then the number D1 Text and let us know. You send that to us and we'll send you a link to the electronic version of that card or you can use the QR code and just scan that. Listen, you can get connected to us through prayer. If you got prayer requests, we want to know it. If you got praise reports or things that God's doing, a testimony, we want to know about it. And of course, you can sign up for our Grow Track, which for us is the best way to get to know you and you get to know the vision of this house. It's the pathway toward membership and ministry but it's also a way that we can help you find your divine design. There's a reason why God placed you on this earth with the gifts, talents, and abilities that he's got planted inside of you. We wanna help that to grow and mature, and we wanna help you in that journey of faith. Also, I wanna let you know that you can sign up for child dedication. If you'd like to have a child dedicated to the Lord, we'd be honored to celebrate with you. But today, you can also sign up for baptism, and we have three candidates of membership, uh, or of baptism rather, that are gonna be baptized in just a moment. And listen, I want you to celebrate them, each one of them. This is a special day for each one of them, and I want you to give a huge shout out and round of applause. Can you give it up for our baptismal candidates right now? Come on. today as we continue our worship and uh, we're so excited that we get to partner with some of our extended family uh, as they partake in scriptural obedience what we believe is the next steps after salvation and we want to also encourage you to do so as well as Pastor Mark mentioned you can text D1 text 84576 to sign up for baptism but I just want to do a brief uh, teaching on it baptism is an outward confession of an inward commitment and that's scriptural evidence in Matthew 28, 19, it says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So today we get to participate in the Great Commission. We get to partake in our commitment to fulfill that. And we're celebrating a few young ladies. And uh, between the three of them, they brought 30 guests or so with them. If they're not in the room, they're online. So we thank you guys for being here to celebrate them. 
And uh, our first one is Miss Braden. Y'all give it up for Miss Braden. Braden, I'm going to ask you two questions. Number one, do you love Jesus with all your heart? Awesome. And the second is, will you serve him for the rest of your life? Awesome. All right, well, do you understand right now? Upon your confession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So awesome. All right. Next we have Miss Ellie. All right, same two questions. Do you love God with all your heart? Do you promise to serve him for the rest of your life? Awesome. Upon your confession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Good job, sweetie. So proud of you. Now we have Miss Olivia. Same two questions. Do you love Jesus with all your heart? Do you promise to serve him for the rest of your life? She said yes both times, y'all, so this is exciting. <laughs> Upon your confession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, can, can you honor these, these, these candidates this morning? Thank you. about a bunch of things that we have going on in the next couple of weeks here at our church. The first thing being our trunk or treat. We do this every year as best as we can because we want to offer a safe alternative to our families. So if you haven't signed up to serve yet, please do so by scanning the QR code or you can host a trunk, which we encourage you to do because the top three winners will get a special prize. So that's just a little added extra incentive for you to uh, partner with us, you and your family. It doesn't have to be anything elaborate or super big, but we want to encourage you to have fun with it because we want to reach as many people as we can and this is one way for us to reach out in our community so please scan that QR code October 30th at 5 p.m. we hope to see you there also on November 2nd we have our front porch hangout for our brother and sisterhood classes going on and we want you to be a part of that because we love bringing people on Wednesday nights that we affectionately call family nights it's always a fun gathering of fellowship and community just to talk together so please share a meal with us on November 2nd please join us on that Wednesday at 6 30 p.m. and please invite somebody with you on November 10th we have our sisterhood deeper night of worship and it's a time for our ladies to come together and encounter the presence of God in a real tangible way please do not miss that we love pursuing everything that God has for us, and we want you to be here. So invite your mom, your grandma, your aunt, all the ladies in our Wiregrass area. Please bring them November 10th at the Sisterhood Deeper Night of Worship. We have so many great things going on here at Dothan First, and we're so excited about all that God is doing. So please mark those things on your calendar. If we send out email invites or any text updates, please write them down, share them, post them on social media, because we really want to provide a service to our community. Without anything else really to share with you, can you please honor our pastor, Mark Benson? Listen, we got a lot going on around here. We're going to have a lot of fun. And next Sunday, as he said, the Halloween alternative that we have planned at the trunk or treat. I want to encourage you, if you haven't signed up to have a trunk, it's going to be a great time to be able to minister to people. You know, one of the things that we talk about is not just in, uh, you know, an ethereal way to love people, but to actually in a tangible way to be the arms of Jesus extended to our local community. And there's a lot of kids that show up 
wine and candy, but they're also going to have a smiling face from somebody who's a believer in Jesus Christ. And it's a great opportunity for us to do that. Uh, we've had over the past number of years, we've had a couple thousand that have shown up at times. And so we want to be ready for that. Uh, but we'll help to provide the candy. And if you don't mind for the next... Uh, this, this whole week, if you want to bring in candy to donate for that, uh, we would appreciate that. It's out in the foyer, those bins available. Uh, and then in the evening, next Sunday, we're going to prepare to do that. It's going to be a great time of celebration for all the kiddos. And listen, I encourage you, invite neighbors and friends and relatives that are in the, the local Wiregrass area. If they got smaller children, they're going to have a lot of fun. So uh, do invite them out. Well, listen, it's offering time. We get to give unto the Lord. How many grateful God's blessed you? Come on. He's been good. He's been faithful. And uh, we're not going to pass the plate, but if you would like to give, the five ways to give are on the screens. And you can choose to participate if you, if you would like. If you're a first-time guest, listen, this isn't intended for you as some kind of pressure situation. Uh, this is really for those who call this house their home, their church home. But uh, we honor you today. And those that, that would like to get giving credit, you can simply do that by filling out the envelope in the seat pocket in front of you. And then you can turn that in on your way out. You can worship on the way out with your giving. Um, with those giving boxes or of course the other ways to give and listen I want to tell you again on behalf of our missionaries the over 60 missionaries that we support every single month because of your faithfulness and generosity to give we're able to get the gospel message out into all parts of the world which is part of our global mandate to reach the world it's one thing to say we want to reach our neighbors and our friends here in the Wiregrass area, and I think we ought to. As a matter of fact, that is a personal mandate that we take very seriously. We want to reach everyone with the love of Jesus Christ, but it's not enough. If we just reach Dothan, it's not enough. We need to reach the whole world. And so we've partnered with local, um, uh, local community outreaches around the Wiregrass area. We partner in the state of Alabama. We've helped to plant many churches around the state of Alabama and around the country. Michelle and I are honored to be overseers of multiple churches in the, in the United States. We're grateful for that opportunity. But you get to help support that mission. Matter of fact, there are pastors right now that are in third world countries who have very little access to any kind of money or training materials and you have provided the materials and the ability for them to go to Bible school and, and I thank God for that because you're ministering to churches literally around the world by helping to train up those pastors by your giving. So I thank God for you and your generosity. Let's take time to pray over this, uh, this giving time. Can we do that, Lord? We thank you for so much for the opportunity that we get to give. And church, as you're obedient to the giving of tithes and offerings, God's word says, prove me now in this. See if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing, there won't be room enough to receive it. I proclaim financial increase on you and your households. I call for better jobs to those who need or desire them. I declare favor and breakthrough in court cases, settlements, inheritances, and estates that are justly yours. I call forth even unexpected monies to be discovered. Lord, we bless every entrepreneur in this room. May your minds be inspired with godly ideas for creative inventions. And for those who own their own businesses, let abundant blessings be released on your company as you bless your employees. 
Lord, today we bless every household. Lord, I pray blessing over families and marriages and uh, parent-child relationships. God, I pray extended blessings be released in homes today. And Lord, we thank you that you said you give seed to the sower. And you're able to make all grace abound to us so that in all things, at all times, having all that we could ever need, we would abound in every good work. And I bless these, your people, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you give. Listen, in a few moments, we're going to have our worship team lead us in a few more songs of worship. But before we do, I want to let you know, this is also a time of prayer that we have your elders that are going to be stationed at three stations of prayer today. Uh, and go ahead, elders, if you'd make your way toward those areas. It's right here in the back by the exit sign over there, the exit sign in the back over there, and up in the balcony. You won't even need to leave the balcony if you'd like to receive prayer for any reason. And the Bible talks about the significance of the elders, that they function and serve not only in prayer support and spiritual help throughout the week, but they are ready and willing to use that biblical mandate. The Bible says if any one of you are sick, let, let them pray for you. Go to the elders of the church. Let them anoint you with oil and pray the prayer of faith that you might be healed. We do believe in healing. We've seen divine miracles take place in this church. And we're so proud and excited to be able to partner with you to see miracle results. If you have a need in your family, if you've lost your job, if you're going through difficult uh, situations or a crisis, we want to support you in prayer. And these elders are here ready to pray for you. So in just a moment, we're going to have everybody stand up. And when everyone stands, that's your cue to slip out from where you're at, go back to the back and receive el eldership prayer. Uh, to just meet those needs in a spiritual way. Let's stand up together. Let's worship the Lord together. And as I said, you can receive prayer at this time of worship.
it is this morning. Place it at his feet today.
trust is in you, Lord. You are unshakable. And God, our hope and our life is built on the rock of Christ Jesus. If you believe that, come on and give him some praise this morning. Clap your hands. We love you, God. We honor you, Lord. Amen. Amen. We'll turn to your neighbors who are being seated and say, he won't fail. fears that grip our hearts, no fear is greater than the fear of death. There are those who will tell you that death is a natural part of life. But if death is just a part of life, then why does it cause us such anger and sorrow? When God created humanity, he intended for us to grow more and more beautiful over time. But in one tragic moment, we unleashed sin into the world, and everything broke, including our bodies. Death is the ultimate consequence of sin, and it fills God's heart with anger and sorrow even more than it does ours, because death was not a part of God's original plan. The Bible says that when Jesus approached the tomb of his friend Lazarus, he quaked with rage, and his eyes filled with tears. He was overwhelmed by the suffering caused by death, a curse we had brought upon ourselves. Death's curse was physical. Both the world and our bodies were decaying. But death's curse was also spiritual, eternally separating humanity from their creator, the source of all light, love, and life. But because of God's amazing love, he chose to surrender all power and glory to rescue us from death. Jesus, God's only Son, was expelled from the presence of the Father and thrust into complete darkness in our place. He took humanity's curse upon himself, breaking death's grip on us and purchasing humanity a place at the Father's side forever. A day is coming when the true King will return at last to restore the world to its full glory and us with it, renewing both soul and body. You'll still be yourself, but even more so. You'll finally be the real you. On that day, we'll look at each other and say, I always knew you could be like this. I saw glimpses of the real you, flashes of it, and now here you are. 
future is not an ethereal, impersonal one. You're not going to float through the clouds. You're going to walk. You're going to eat. You're going to laugh. You're going to hug. You're going to sing in realms and degrees of power and joy that you cannot now imagine. Some will tell you not to fear death because it's part of life. But Jesus says not to fear death because it's been defeated. And the day will come when Jesus embraces you with his nail-scarred hands and says, Welcome home. I have so much to show you. Come on, how many are looking forward to that day? Yeah! Hey, it's going to be a great day. Man, I cannot wait. We're going to have so much fun together. And if you go ahead and grab your, your Bibles today, and if you don't have a Bible, let us know. We'll gladly get you a Bible free of charge. We just want to make sure that you've got God's promises in your hands. But you can open up your cell phone or tablet PC because we also have that available. All the notes today are in the Version app of the Bible. And you can download that and check that out. And you can follow us on social media to follow up with. If you maybe did not hear over the past few weeks the messages that lead up to today, you can go ahead and find those on any of those social media platforms. But listen, we just want to have fun in celebrating the goodness of God. And getting into God's Word is the greatest joy of my life. So if you would, grab your copy of God's Word. Say this with me. Say, I am what God's Word says I am. I can do what God's word said I can do. I can become all that God said I could be. So today, I'll hear God's word, I'll receive God's word, and I'll obey God's word because I love his word. Now just turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, you look really good today. I'm telling you, you do. You just, I don't know what you did to your makeup, your hair, something. You just, I don't know, you look good today. If you would, turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and as we dig into the message today, um, you know, I didn't feel like I could talk about Alabama, Tennessee last week. I just felt there was just too much emotion connected to it, but I feel like I can address it today. I know this may not sound biblical to you, but... But, but, you know, it, it does affect a few uh, in the house. And, and so uh, I thought I would address it because there was a few calls that were maybe a little bit questionable. And the arguments that I've heard over this last week, uh, pundits that have said, you know, it should have been a targeting call or it was, you know, it was actually an interception in the end zone and it was not pass interference, all these different things. Well, the argument actually made it all the way up to St. Peter and, and uh, St. Peter had a conversation with Satan about this whole game. I mean, it was totally controversial. Made it all the way up to St. Peter and, and Satan, and they were, they were arguing over this, the outcome of the game. And finally, they had an idea. They said, you know what? We're going to form our own game. To settle this argument, we're forming our own game. And we're going to have our own football game. And so St. Peter said, well, I'm going to pick all the best players uh, from my squad. And Satan said, well, I'm going to get all the bad boys in heaven. We're going to put them together, have a football game, and the outcome is going to determine this, this argument. And, and man, 
St. Peter thought he's got, he's got it made. He looks at Satan. He said, you sure you want to do this? Like, you sure you want to try to match up with me? I mean, I got the best players. I got the best coaches. And Satan, like, he's like, I know, and that's just fine. All the referees are with me. So anyway, just saying. No. <laughs> oh, man. We got some great referees that attend here, and I'm just saying, you guys take way more heat than you should, and I've watched slow motion in super slow motion, and they get it, they get it right like 98% of the time. They're pretty incredible, so uh, don't be too hard on them. But anyway, hey, listen, over the past number of weeks, I've noticed that on my Hulu account and on my kids' Netflix account, I've noticed when I scroll through the television that it just seems like over and over again, uh, there's all these advertisements for the next horror films. And it used to be just the, the movies that would introduce that back in the day of just old school television. But then when they introduced all these new platforms like Hulu and Netflix, now they, they've got it on the banner where it's the, the next horror film. Or it'll show the one from way, way back a long time ago, you know, uh, Freddy or Jason or one of these guys. And, and it's like all these horror films are trying to depict what hell is going to be like. But let me, let me just share with you today, I'm going to tackle over the next few weeks uh, I, what I would consider potentially a, a tough and possibly controversial subject. I'm going to talk about eternity. I'm going to talk about heaven, and I'm going to talk about hell. Because I feel like it's so important that we understand the eternal realities that are in front of us today. And, and have you ever had that question, maybe in your own mind, like, what happens after I die? I, I want to talk about that. I want to dig in deep to the scripture and explain it. I want it to be crystal clear so that nobody, after they leave here today or after this series, that they'll have questions about what happens after you die. And uh, as a matter of fact, I asked that question right after the accident that Michelle and I had about a week and a half ago. Uh, we had that accident, and the person that had run into us, uh, fortunately, all parties were okay, and I thank God for that. <clears throat> but he got out of the car, and, uh, you know, just honest, we became kind of fast friends. I mean, we weren't like enemies or anything. I know that there's tension in an accident, but an accident is just that. It's an accident. It's not like he meant to do it. And so we had a little bit of a conversation, and I just started talking to him about, hey, man, thank God that this life is not like the end. Like, this is, this is not my home. Like, there's an eternity, and I'm really glad that me and God are okay. And how about you? You know, I mean, I'm just sitting there with, you know, he just had the airbag punch him in the face. I might as well ask him about eternity. You know what I'm saying? Like, talk about a reality check, right? And, and so we begin to have this discussion about, like, what happens after you die? And I want to answer those questions in this series because the Bible tells us that everything we can see, everything we can see in the material world is natural and temporary, right? This building isn't going to last forever. This body of ours isn't going to last forever. The earth is not going to last forever. There's going to be a home for eternity, and everything else fades away. Just, just to remind you of the last couple of weeks, we've been going over the mysteries of life, helping you to solve some of the most difficult questions like, why do bad things happen to good people and all kinds of stuff? But let me just reintroduce you to this very simplistic concept. Friends, 
this is not heaven. <laughs> okay, this is earth. The earth is broken and marred because of sin and because of the effects of sin. It affects our DNA. It affects our bodies. It affects our minds. It affects the problems of this world. And so all those things can be attributed right back to the sin in this world. It's broken. But friends, thank God, this isn't heaven. Heaven is yet to come. And when we do get to heaven, I promise you, listen, listen, hell is worse than you've imagined it or seen it in the horror films, and heaven is way better than you could have ever imagined. And we're going to talk about it. See, what you don't see lasts for eternity. What you do see is natural and temporary, but what you don't see, uh, those things that you don't see are going to last forever. The things like, think about this, God the God of the universe, we don't physically see him with our eyes. We see the effects of him and his creation, but we don't physically see him, but he is eternal. We don't see heaven right here, but we know that there's an eternity. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to have my dad read 2 Corinthians, and we're going to start at chapter 4. I'm going to have him read quite a lengthy passage, lengthier than usual, but I think it's important that I have him read it. And as a matter of fact, uh, this week, this man turned 76 years young, and man, I am so glad. Yeah, happy birthday. Happy early birthday. Yeah, and so uh, I, I get to share ministry with my dad, and what a joy with my dad and mom as pastors of leadership development here. But he's going to read this lengthy passage in 2 Corinthians, starting at chapter 4, verses 16 through 19, and then I'm going to have him read chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. So I want you to follow along, listen carefully as he reads this passage of scripture. And I might interrupt you now and again just for a few points, but go ahead and lead us in this word. Though our bodies are dying, our inner strength in the Lord is growing every day. These troubles and sufferings of ours are, after all, quite small and won't last very long. Yet this short time of distress will result in God's richest blessings upon us forever and ever. So we do not look at what we can see right now, the troubles all around us, but we look forward to the joys in heaven which we have not yet seen. The troubles will soon be over, but the joys will come and last forever. We know that when this tent we live in now is taken down, when we die and leave these bodies, we will have wonderful new bodies in heaven, homes that will be ours forever, made for us by God himself and not by human hands. All right, let's just, just pause for a couple seconds here. That was, that was a lot of wisdom in a very short few sentences. But I just want to say, the Bible says that, that these bodies are like tents, and they're going to be folded up and, and put away, right? Some people have a little bit bigger tents than others, right? Uh, but the, the tents that we have, these bodies are just temporary. And the homes that we live in, as nice a home as you might have, 
As wonderful as you think that house is, and look, uh, the earth has some wonderful things. God has blessed us with many things on this earth that we enjoy, things that we couldn't create, right? Like the land we live in and the clean water we drink from, we didn't make that, we didn't create that, but we get to, get, we get to have it. And the things of this earth that are beautiful, if you've ever seen a sunrise or a sunset, if you've ever been on the beach at that time, the beauty of it coming up over the ocean, all of these things are great and we could not make them by human hands. But listen, God has an even better house for you. The, the house that, you, that houses your physical dimension, your spirit, your body, he's got a better body in mind for you. Come on, somebody. Beach body's got nothing on this. I'm telling you, man. This is a, a, a heavenly body that God is going to recreate us to be perfect like him in heaven. Thank God. All of the creaks and the joints and all that stuff, it all goes away in heaven. And then there's this other part that he just mentioned about the heavenly homes that God built with his hands for us. So let's keep on reading. Dad, would you continue? How weary we grow of our present bodies. Amen to that. That is why we look forward eagerly to the day when we shall have heavenly bodies that we shall put on like new clothes, for we shall not be merely spirits without bodies. These earthly bodies make us groan and sigh, but we wouldn't like to think of dying and having no bodies at all. We want to slip into our new bodies so that these dying bodies will, as it were, be swallowed up by everlasting life. This is what God has prepared for us and as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. All right, let's stop right there for just another moment. The Bible said that God prepared this. Okay, this is a prepared place for us. Now, he created the world. The Bible says it was, it was a, an amazing creation. The Bible brings us through the days of creation and what was created and when it was created and how it was created. But the Bible says that God prepared a place for you for eternity, and it's better than the earth that he prepared for us for this temporary season. Go ahead and continue. Now we look forward with confidence to our heavenly bodies realizing that every moment we spend in these earthly bodies is time spent away from our eternal home in heaven with Jesus. We know these things are true by believing, not by seeing. And we are not afraid, but are quite confident to die. For then we will be at home with the Lord. So our aim is to please him always in everything we do. Whether we are here in this body or away from this body and with him in heaven. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged and have our lives laid bare before him. Each of us will receive whatever he deserves for the good or bad things he has done in his earthly body. Oh, man, how many of you think that my dad ought to just record the entire Bible so you can just listen to that voice, that amazing radio-style voice, man? It was just, oh, it was, it was sweet like honey, Dad. Thank you so much for reading. And uh, I listened to those words that the Apostle Paul is giving us in 2 Corinthians, and, but basically what he's saying is the spiritual things are more important than the physical things. Why? Because what is spiritual is eternal. 
And so we have to then shift our focus from all these things that we see, all the temporary things that we see. Listen, all the things that we see on social media, all these things that we see in our natural bodies, all the, uh, the decaying processes of earth, all the issues of life, all the frustrations, all the pain, all the sorrow, all the discontent, all the discouragement, all those moments, we, we can shift our focus and say, hey, look, this is just temporary. But what we don't see yet is going to be for eternity. And as I said last week, I, I talked about the mysteries of life and some of the unanswered questions, helping to answer them biblically. But what I said is either you'll get stuck in the struggle or you'll grow stronger through the struggle. And here's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. It says, now, right here on this earth, we see things imperfectly, right? Our brains are, are, are broken to the point that we can't fully understand all the mysteries of life. But it says we, we now see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. And that's the way I feel sometimes when I look at this world and all the problems and issues that we see across the world, uh, the atrocities or uh, man's inhumanity to man. When I see all those things, it's disturbing just like it is for you. It's like looking in a funhouse mirror, man. It's all distorted. But it goes on to say this, watch. But then... He's talking about at the end of time when we get to be with God, then we will see everything, here it is, with perfect clarity. Everybody say perfect clarity. All that, we, that I now know is partial and incomplete, right? We don't have all the answers. But then, talking about when we see Christ face to face, then I'll know everything completely just as God knows me completely. Man, one day you're going to see God. And you're going to see him face to face. And when you do, all your questions are going to get answered. All those hardships are going to pass away. You'll, you'll feel the beauty of no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain, no more problem. Why? Because we're in the presence of God. But you need to understand conceptually where this all comes from. And I, I talked about it last week, and I won't review it. So if you didn't catch it last week, go ahead and check it out online. But, but let me just say this. God made you to love you. Every person in this room, you need to know, God made you to love you. And the Bible's greatest commandment, Jesus was asked by one of the religious leaders of the day, what's the most important commandment in all the scriptures? So he's talking about the whole Bible, like the totality of the Bible, what's the most important one? And if ever a Christian ought to look and listen to what Jesus, the Messiah, had to say, it has to be in that particular passage. Why? Because this is the most important command, and Jesus is telling us what the most important thing is. And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. In essence, make him first in everything. Like he's the God, the creator of the universe. He is one true God, and we need to worship him, and we need to love him. So we need to love God. It's the very first one. And then he said, the second is like it. Now, the person that asked, the religious leader, didn't ask for the top two. He just asked for one. But Jesus felt it was so important that he gave a second command as a reminder. And he said, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so the Bible says that Jesus declared all of the law and the prophets, meaning like the whole Bible, the totality of the Bible, all hang on. 
or are, are, are moved by these two, like the most important two, all the rest kind of hang on these two. Let me tell you something. Love God and love people is not just a slogan we have here at Dothan First. It's an absolute biblical reality. It is why you're on this earth. It's why you're living and breathing today is so you could love God and love people. Four words that sum up the whole Bible. And we have to live our lives that way. But we've got to remember that God first loved us. He gave us the capacity to love. God is love, and he made us in his image to have the, the, the bear, we are the bearers of his image. And the reason that we can love is because God is love, and he created us with that capacity. Here's what it says in Jeremiah 31, 3. He says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. With an unfailing love, I've drawn you to myself. God's like, hey, I've been trying to draw you in, but woo you in with my love this whole time. Your whole life, he's been trying to showcase his love to you. And friends, one day, one day your heart is going to stop beating on this earth. But I want you to know, you may be, that may be the end of you here on earth, but that, that is not the end of you. It is only the beginning. You were made, every human being was made to last forever. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that the image of God was placed inside of human beings. The Bible says he put eternity inside of us. Here it is, Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has planted, or God has planted eternity in the human heart. And friends, you're going to spend far more time in heaven than you ever would on earth. On earth, look, you might be able to get 80 to 100 years out of this life, and that is awesome. And I hope every last year is a year of celebration for you. Uh, I hope you have good health, and I, uh, I pray blessing over your health and finances and all those things. But friends, even if you got trouble in this life, and everybody does, you need to know it's just temporary. 80 to 100 years. Listen, that's like the first lap around the track in, in conjunction with eternity. Friends, that's like trillions and trillions of years to be with God in heaven. We were made to last forever. This life is preparation for eternity. And God created two literal eternal places, heaven and hell. Heaven is real. Hell is real. They're real places. And they're not exactly what you think they are. John 14 says it like this, verses 2 and 3. Jesus said this, I am going to prepare a place. Everybody say a place. So it's a place. This isn't just an ethereal, like you close your eyes here and you just float for a while in space. You know what I mean? It's not like a state of mind. It's not like you get reincarnated and you get thrown into the dirt and you become a tree or something like that. None of that stuff. None of the stuff that, that you might have heard. It's a real place that you'll spend eternity in. All right? He says he prepared. And it's not just a place. It's a prepared place. Look, man, as much as this earth is great and all the great things that God created, it's not nearly as good as a prepared place that he prepared from the beginning of the world. He says, I I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Meaning this, to be with God is going to be the greatest joy of all eternity. So heaven is a prepared place specifically made for you by God to live forever. Now, Matthew 25 begins to describe the separation of two groups of human beings. 
human beings that chose to love God, serve God, and groups of humans that chose to intentionally reject God on earth. Here's what it says, Matthew 25, verse 34. Jesus said, come, you who are blessed by my Father, take the inheritance, right? How many know when somebody dies, there's an inheritance left, something you didn't earn or deserve, but you got it just because you were in the family. How many say amen to that? All right. He says, an inheritance, the kingdom. So the inheritance is a kingdom, right, of God prepared for you since the creation of the world. God's been working on this thing for a long, long time intricately making, specifically designing a home in heaven for you. So God's been working on this thing, and the earth, thank God, is not our permanent resting spot, right? It's not our permanent home because nothing works perfectly on this planet. Because of that, there's sin, and because of sin, there's sorrow and evil, right, and suffering. And so we're offered this beautiful, wonderful, eternal place of perfection made just for us. But hell is a real place too. And he goes on to talk about it a few, a few verses later, Matthew 25, verse 41. And here it is. Jesus goes on to say, Then he will say to those on his left, re- referring to those who completely rejected God all their lives here on this earth. It says this, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into, listen, eternal fire. Again, it says, Prepared. So it's a prepared place. But interestingly, it says prepared for who? For the devil and his angels. So here's what happened. Sin entered the world, but it began earlier than that. Satan rebelled against God. And some of, his, some of these angels, that, uh, a third of the angels that are called demons, some people refer to them as demons, but Satan and his demons, right, they rejected God. And because of that, hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. That means it was not a prepared place originally for human beings. Let me say amen to that. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for humans. It's called heaven. I'm going to prepare a place for the devil and his demons, and it's called hell. Now listen, if I choose to reject God's love and God's free gift, everybody say free gift, (laughs) free gift of salvation and set myself completely against God, just like Satan did, if I choose to follow Satan, I go where Satan goes. I follow Satan to hell. In essence, that's exactly what's happening. So it wasn't originally planned for human beings. It was planned as a punishment for Satan and his demons. And we get to choose. Here's a, here's a really important part of this eternal story that God's laid out for us. He makes it abundantly clear throughout the scriptures from Old Testament and New Testament. We get to choose where we spend eternity, heaven or hell. It's our choice. And that same kind of choice was given to, in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, to, to the Israelites. Now look at this in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 26 through 28, because most people think about heaven and hell as it relates to the New Testament, the new covenant, when Jesus came to the earth, lived the sinless life, died on the cross for our sins, rose again on the third day to give us new life, and then said, here's the free gift of forgiveness and salvation. But he even talks about this in the old covenant. Here it is, Deuteronomy 11, 26. Look, today I'm giving you the choice. Everybody say the choice. (laughs) Between a blessing and a curse. You'll be blessed if you obey the commands of the Lord that I'm giving you today, but you will be cursed if you, what is this word? 
reject, everybody say reject, reject the commands of the Lord your God and turn away from him and worship gods, little g, gods, okay, gods that we make up, that you have not known before. This is all over worship. Satan chose not to worship God, a prepared place for him. Keep, keep reading in, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15. God again offers them this choice. Today, I'm giving you a choice between good and evil, between life and death. Let's keep reading. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19 goes on and says, I'm now giving you, here it is again, a choice between life and death, between God's blessing and God's curse. And he said, I call heaven and earth as a witness to the choice you make. That means, what, in essence, what he's saying is all of the world sees the choices that you're making. It's going to be abundantly clear to the, the, the angels in heaven. It's going to be clear, of course, to God himself who knows the beginning from the end and knows your heart. And it's going to be clear to even the people around you that heaven and earth is a witness. They're watching the choice you choose to either choose God or to reject God. Now, to love God, I go back to this most important four words, love God, love people, right? So if the first and most important command is to love God, there's another word for that, and it's called worship, okay? We think of worship like uh, what they did when they were singing songs one, two, and three, but can I just tell you, worship is way more than what you see on a platform on a Sunday morning. It's way deeper than a song, Worship is the atmosphere of the heart. It's truly, uh, you can break the word up, worth-ship. It's declaring or ascribing worth to God. And so when we're loving God, the best way we can love God is by worshiping Him. So the first two words, love God, can be called worship. That's in essence what worship truly is. So what happens is we end up choosing these little g-gods, to worship. It's called idolatry. It's what the Old Testament talked about that brings a curse, and it's what the New Testament talks about bringing a curse. But we usually think of idolatry as like carving out an idol, a graven image, like some statue. But most in generally here in, uh, you know, our, our world, especially in America, we don't have a lot of those graven images, or so we think. But it's all about how you, who you choose to worship. You can worship yourself, Right? You can worship Satan or you can worship God. You, when you worship yourself, let me, let me explain to you what it looks like. Here's what idolatry looks like when you put yourself first. By the way, selfishness and self-centeredness is basically the same thing, the same idea, the same concept that you put yourself above everybody else and you put your selfish needs above God. You say, I'm going to be my own God. I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. I don't want to tell, have anybody tell me how I'm supposed to do it. I'm going to be my own God. I want my own way, right? I, 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 I. And when you look at the word sin, it's just an I problem, right? S-I-N. It's an I problem, okay? That's all that selfishness creates. That's, what, that's how sin exists. So we can worship ourselves, right? Our possessions, we can worship our own position. This is my title. This is who I am. I'm better and bigger than everybody else. You can begin to look at power. Think about how power corrupts on earth, right? You can worship your own prestige, like I'm just better than everybody else. You can worship your own popularity. Look who's looking at me. Look who's looking at me on my iPhone, <laughs> Well, there's some truth to that. I should go a little deeper, but I won't. 
Or you can worship Satan, right? You're choosing sin or evil. And some people think about, you know, choosing Satan as like being a Satanist or satanic or like reading Anton LaVey's book or something like that. But, but you know, it's way more subtle than that. Man, you don't think the devil is sneaky? Come on, somebody. Look, if he came around with walking down the aisle with a pitchfork, you know, in a red jumpsuit, you know what I'm saying? Looking a little like old school Elvis. Nobody in this room would be like, nah, I ain't following that joker. But he's so subtle. The Bible says he's like an angel of light. He, he, he draws you in so, so that you'll, you'll begin to choose those things that you desire more than you choose God. It's so subtle. God says, don't worship anyone but me. Don't prioritize anyone over me. He says that in the very first two commandments in in the Old Testament, right? And Jesus reminds us, love God first. Make him first. Anything you put above God, that's what you worship. Think about what you worship. And God says, choose eternal life in heaven. Choose to be saved from sin's punishment. I want you to think about it like this. This is probably as good an analogy as I can come up with it. If I went to a maximum security prison and I found a convicted criminal, someone who was a thief, maybe he was a bank robber and he'd robbed so many different banks over so many different years that they finally caught up with this joker and now he's sitting in prison in a life sentence, okay? So just think of a a prisoner who's been caught robbing banks. He's a thief. I mean, caught red-handed on the cameras. He sat before a judge and a jury, and they've given him multiple life sentences. So he's stuck. Life with no parole. Okay? And I show up at that prison, and I say, look, man, I just want to let you know that they made a deal with me after you've been sitting here in prison for the last, you know, five years or ten years thinking about this life sentence that you're going to spend in these little four walls called a jail cell that you've created for yourself because of your own decisions, your own willful. Nobody put a gun to your head and made you rob those banks, but you got caught, you got busted. Now the judge has already said you're going to be in prison, self-made, you know, man-made prison of your own doing. However, I made a deal with the judge, and, and I made a deal with the district attorney, and I want to let you know that what I've, what I've done is I decided I was going to pay restitution. I was going to pay back every dime that was robbed from those banks, all those banks, all those years. I just want you to know I've made a deal. I've paid it all back, and, and more than that, what I want to do is I'd like to invite you to come to my house. And I don't want you to just come visit, but after you leave jail, because a lot of people that leave prison or, or jail, they, they don't have a lot of uh, outlets for work or places to live. Sometimes they've ostracized themselves from their families. And so here we are talking, and I said, look, man, I know you probably don't have any place to go. I want to let you know, I'm gonna, I prepared a room just for you. I found out the best things that you like. I decorated the room just for you. You're going to live in my house. As a matter of fact, I'm going to take it a step further. I'm going to give you my debit card. 
Now, if this was just truly me, then, you know, that debit card's not going to go that far. I'm just saying, but, but for him, let's just pretend that I had enough to pay the restitution and the fines, and I was able to make this deal, and I'm, and I'm like, here, here's my debit card. You have access to all my bank accounts, anything you want at any time. You just need to know. Now, I, I'm going to go a step further and let you know you're going to be part of the Benson family. I want to adopt you into my family. You're going to be a Benson And you're going to have the rights and privileges of being a Benson. You don't have to pay me rent. You don't have to do anything. And this guy's like, dude, why would you do this? And I just say, look, man, I'm telling you, I have a burden on my heart for you. Uh, I I love you. I care about you. And and I want to give you a fresh start. I want to give you a fresh chance. I want to give you an outlet. I want to give you a way out of this thing. You got no hope. You're sitting in a prison cell. I know what you did was wrong, but I still believe in you. I still have hope for you. I want to give you a fresh start. Now, Here's the only condition, okay? I've got, I've got some house rules, okay? And uh, among other things, no jumping on the bed, okay? Because that's my job, okay? Just saying. No, but, but I'm going to give you this really important house rule. And I have the choice because it's my house, so it's my rules, house rules. And here's the deal. In the Benson family, we don't steal. We just don't steal. We don't rob from people. So I'm just telling you, that's the condition of the house. Now, here this guy has been given this free pass, right? He was stuck in this man-made prison of his own doing, and, and he didn't deserve or earn the right for me to come up and give him this option or opportunity, but now he's got the moment. He's got the option. Now, he can choose, right? Here it is. He can choose what he wants. He can have the man-made jail cell that he made for himself, the imprisonment that he created for himself, or he gets this blessing that I've just poured out on him to be a son, to be a friend, to have a prepared place with all the rights and privileges of a Benson and all of his debts paid off. Free of charge, free and clear, he gets to walk out scot-free. Now, what if he chooses, intentionally chooses, he's like, you know what, I don't think so, man, I'm going to stay in prison. I kind of like these prison walls. (laughs) So, I can't see beyond the prison walls, I'm going to choose to not come to live at your house and I'm going to choose not to take you up on this amazing opportunity. Would I be unloving because he chose not to take what I was giving free of charge? Come on, somebody, you can answer. Is that, am I unloving? Does that make me unloving? Of course not. I gave him the best shot he would ever have on this earth to get out of this horrible prison situation. Now let's look at the logic from a heaven and hell perspective and worship team if you come as we prepare to close. It's no different from us. The the one question, I, I, I love to field questions from human beings who are just genuinely looking for eternity, trying to figure out this spiritual life on a journey, trying to find God. I am totally all about just listening to questions, fielding questions, using God's love and God's word to answer. But can I just tell you, there's one question that kind of irks me, and that's this. Why would a good God send people to hell? A good God send people to hell. If he's really good, why would he send them to hell? Well, he doesn't send anybody to hell. 
He doesn't send anybody to hell. As a matter of fact, he made this beautiful garden. He made human beings in his likeness, in his image, to have the ability to choose because he didn't want to make robots that would just go, I love you, you know, whatever. He didn't make robots. He, he made humans with his likeness, his image, his ability for creativity, right? So you have your hands and you have your mind and you're so creative. And that all came from God because he created you with a mind to create. And you created your world. With your words, with your actions, with your attitude, with your behavior, you can say, I do or I quit, and both of them affect your, your life on this earth. Come on, somebody. I'm in or I'm out. You get the choice. You have free reign. If you, look, if you got up and walked out right now, I couldn't stop you. I mean, I could have somebody come and tackle you or something. We're not going to do that around here. But I'm just saying, like, you have the free will to stand up and leave, or you have the free will to, to remain seated and listen. It's your choice. It's your choice, man. And people attribute this unloving thought that somehow, well, God made hell for humans that just didn't like him. No, he loved people so much that he put them in this perfect environment. Adam and Eve in this perfect garden, they had everything. They didn't have to do nothing. No weeds. Come on, somebody. No problem with childbearing. Come on, ladies in the house. No pain with childbearing. Man, Adam and Eve messed everything up. And you would think in, in, in your mind, boy, if I was just Adam and Eve, I really would have done it right. And the problem is you sinned too. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so God, having seen this horrible disaster, this tragedy where Adam and Eve choose Satan and worshiping themselves, he says, you know what? I still love you. I'm going to spend the rest of my years wooing you in with my love. And the Bible says that God so loved the world. Come on, somebody. That he gave. Come on, somebody. He gave. Most popular scripture. Man, you'll see somebody, I'm sure, on football games this afternoon with uh, you know, rainbow hair holding up a sign. John 3, 16. It's so important. The guy holding it may be crazy, but the sign isn't. I'm just saying. God so loved the world, you and me, that he chose to give. He gave. After we messed up, he gave. I got a second shot. <laughs> I got a second chance. He said, I gave my one and only son. That whoever would believe in me would not die eternally, but have everlasting life. That would spend time in the prepared place called heaven. But friends, it's your choice. Not one of you in this room, listen, we may be at some point, God forbid, carjacked or in a robbery where somebody puts a gun to our head and makes us do something we don't want to do. But when it comes to eternity, nobody's putting a gun to your head in this one. It is your choice. The sad reality, however, is when we take our last breath, there's no second chances. Hear me, somebody. It's here, it's now, or it's never. Look, man, a week and a half ago, I wasn't planning on getting hit in the back of my vehicle. And thank God we were okay. They ran us into a telephone pole and we're still okay. We're still walking around. Everything's fine. Thank God for that. But it doesn't always work out that way. These are real choices. Choosing between a prepared place for the devil and his angels or choosing a prepared place for us. And we're going to talk more about heaven in the days to come. 
But right here, right now, I want to give you this chance. And it's not really me giving you the chance. God's been offering it to you all your life. I want to give you the opportunity to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, to accept his free gift of salvation, that when he died on the cross, he took your sin on his body. He died and rose again, and he said, now I'm going to give you a fresh start if you choose to trust me, Jesus says. The Bible says that he is the only way, the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father God except through him and his sacrifice. So I'm going to invite you right here, right now. I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you. It's not my heart to judge you. But in a moment, I'm going to have everybody bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm going to ask you, invite you into this personal opportunity to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, to have your sins forgiven, and to know the hope of heaven for eternity. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Lord Jesus, in this moment, we take ownership of our own decisions and we choose right now. And God, I pray that we would make the choice for eternity, that we wouldn't look to the temporary, that what we see is so temporary. But what we don't see, heaven, it's eternal. There is an afterlife. And God, we want to spend it with you in the greatest prepared place we could ever imagine. If you just keep your heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment, there may be some in this room you'd say, Mark, I need Jesus to come into my life. I need to make him truly Lord and Savior of every area. And listen, friends, I'm not here to judge you, as I said before. I just want to see you have your sins forgiven. And for those in the room or watching online, if you say, Mark, that's me, I want to be included in this prayer. I truly want my sins forgiven then I'm, I'm going to invite you in a moment to just simply raise up your hand, acknowledging by the uplifted hand, Mark, that's me. Include me in this prayer. In, in just a moment, I'm going to do that. But I know there's a couple of groups in this, this house today. There's some that maybe have never made a decision to make Jesus Christ truly the Lord of their life, but others that may be rededicating their life to the Lord. They're like, Mark, I've been a Christian, but man, I've been walking my own way. I've been making willful choices to choose my own way instead of God's. And listen, when you walk in willful disobedience against God's law, which is the Bible, when you're not aligned with his word, then we're out of alignment. And God says, you can come back to me if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God's raised him from the dead. The Bible says you'll be saved. And the Bible says that you can, as you confess those sins, that he receives them in repentance. If, you, if you're truly repentant, your heart is, is truly repentant, he says he'll forgive you. So right now, whether it's a first-time commitment or a rededication, whatever it may be, I'm going to invite you on the count of three to slip up your hand, acknowledging by the uplifted hand, Mark, that's me. Include me in the prayer right now, all over this place. One, two, three. Lift it up. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Yeah. Up in the balcony, on the main floor, yeah, God bless you over here. Yes, sir, God bless you. Yes, over here. God bless you, buddy. Yeah. Anybody else? That's you today number of hands that have gone up already anybody else you're not alone I'm not going to call you out I promise I'm not going to do anything weird I'm just inviting you to make a decision between you and God right now and if that's you slip up your hand that's me today yeah God bless you yeah God bless you yes ma'am God bless you you can put your hands down but what I'd like to do is I want to lead you in a prayer 
And that prayer, I, I don't want you to just repeat it after me because I'm saying it, the pastor's saying it. I want you to say it because you mean it with all your heart. And there may be many in this room who didn't raise your hand, but you know, man, <laughs> you, you know you need this. You can be included in this prayer right now. I want everybody to pray it out loud, but especially you who lifted your hands. Can you say this with me, this prayer? Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I repent for all I've done wrong. I believe that you died for me. And I believe that you rose again for me. I make you the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for changing me. I choose to trust you with every area of my life. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you stand up with us? And come on, we put our hands together and celebrate all these amazing people that said yes to Jesus today. Come on. Man, the Bible says all of heaven rejoices. Come on, sing with us. first-time guests, I'm going to dismiss some of our leadership team if, you've had, if you'll head out toward our guest reception. And if you'll take that connection card, fill it out, and turn it in just out these doors and to your left, you'll see a big sign that says guest reception. We'll have just a moment to share with you and connect with you, get to know you a little bit, and thank you for taking that extra time. But listen, I want you to know, here's Satan's best tactic to get you. It's called doubt. It's called doubt. Just doubt what God said. That's what, that's what he did in the Garden of Eden with, with Adam and Eve. We, they were so gullible. They heard that, that, that idea of doubting God, and, and it destroyed them. I want you to know, this week, I guarantee you, sorry to say, hate to say it, don't want to say it. I'm your pastor, and I love you. I want to speak life and encouragement over you, but I, wanna, I want you to know, honestly, you're going to have moments of doubt. It's a weakness in human beings. We doubt those things that we do not see. But the Bible says that if we put our faith, confidence, trust, and hope in Jesus Christ, and then we pray and we ask Him for strength, God says He'll help us. I want you to know you're not alone. One, you're not alone because God's with you. He's as close as the mention of His name. Second, you got all these people in this church and churches like us around this city that love the Lord Jesus Christ. They love God and they want to help you in the journey of faith. And so what I'm going to invite you to do is if you made that decision, that commitment, we want to help you in this journey of faith. And what we'll ask you to do is take out your smartphone, text D1WALK to the number 84576. Here's what that'll do. We'll send you a free downloadable copy of this booklet called One to One, and it just helps you in the journey of faith. That's all we want to do. It's free of charge, okay? 
Second thing we'd love for you to do is be, become a part of a local church here or another Bible-believing church. We'd love it if you made that decision to be part of this church here. We'd enjoy that so much. But, but make sure it's a Bible-believing church, wherever it is. There's a lot of great churches in this city that we pray for every week. And we'd be honored to partner with you and that pastor to help you in your journey of faith. So let us help you if we can. Let us know how we can help. Tell us how we can pray for you. As we said, there's another text that we gave out, uh, an option for, and that was D1 text. It's 84576 or the QR code on the screen. You can let us know of prayer requests or testimonies that you've got. We want to know what's going on in your life. We're excited about what God's doing. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to release you with a blessing. And again, our first-time guests, we'd be honored to meet you right after the service. Here it is, the blessing. We want to release you with a blessing. You ready? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and bring you peace. And may the Lord our God write his name on your heart and declare you're my child. No one can take you from my hand. May you know the love of your Savior that came and died for you and rescued you. And may you give that love away to as many people as humanly possible. I bless you to be a blessing to your friends, to your coworkers, to your spouse, to your kids and grandkids. I bless you to be a blessing to this city. And I bless you with the love of Christ to give it away. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Did you get anything out of today? Hey, I pray you did. God bless you. We love you. See you next week. Go ahead. First time guests, we'll see you in the re reception. <laughs>